Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Oh, what a great crowd. You're just you're quiet and all by yourselves. How are you doing tonight? Is everybody doing good? Well, I hope that you are. It's been a beautiful, beautiful day. Maybe the last really nice day we have for a while, so we are very thankful for that. It's good to see all of you here tonight, and uh, as we continue our fall series, Things That Truly Matter, and we've had some wonderful lessons uh, this fall, and we look forward to a few more. Well, uh, we have a very special speaker tonight, someone that you might recognize. Betty, Betty recognizes him. Uh, I want to say how much the Ede family means to the West Huntsville body. They came here from Nashville, and um, senior citizens, is it all right if I call you senior citizens? And... Um, Boy, they have just made a tremendous impact on this body. They said, you know what? We don't want to sit and warm a pew, but we have chairs, but warm a chair. We don't want to do that. We want to get busy and we want to get to work. And that's exactly what they have done. And we just love them so very much. Uh, Bill teaches. He's one of, he, he teaches for me and he does such a great job. He's a good teacher. World English Institute. He's involved in that. He heads up the saints alive. Uh, He's a very wise, mature, discerning Christian, and we just think the world of him around here. And so I asked him, I said, you know, would you like to uh, speak? Now, I think this was last year, because I do this about a year in advance. And he said, well, yeah. And uh, things that truly matter. And he said he'd like to speak about the seniors. And so we're really looking forward to his lesson, and we're so very thankful that he's with us tonight. I want to uh, thank Paul for inviting me to be a part of this. I have to say that after that introduction, I was kind of expecting someone like James Andrews or someone else to stand up. (laughs) But I really am grateful. I'm grateful to the elders, the fact that they present a series uh, like this. I'm a little bit uh, in awe of the fact that I'm having to follow someone like David Leip. I've known or have known of him for a lot of years, respect his ability. And so uh, I uh, hope that what I can say will be helpful uh, in some way. As the slide indicates, I'm going to be talking about things of value, namely our seniors here and how they matter to the West Huntsville Church. Uh, You might look at my gray hair and think perhaps I have a Maybe a conflict of interest in this, and you're probably right. But really the reason I, and what I'd like to say, doesn't have anything to do with my age. What I really do feel is that the matter of aging, uh, particularly in our society, is is a neglected subject. Uh, But also to some degree in the church, I think we sometimes let some of those folks slip off to the side and perhaps not be a part of the mainstream. But uh, I hope I can uh, 
to share some thoughts with you that will convince you that there are a lot of folks like that here at West Huntsville who are very much in the mainstream and are contributing in major ways. Uh, we do have a group called the Saints Alive, a seniors group, and uh, we very much enjoy one another's company. We meet for class, we meet for meals, we meet for fellowship, uh, we have service projects and activities that we take part in, and I'm really pleased to be a part of that group. They are, uh, they've made me very much, Betty and I feel very much at home. I do want to start off by suggesting a couple of things about seniors. Uh, it is true that we are, in large part, I would say, integrated into this congregation. But uh, I want to point out a couple of things that I think other seniors would share with me. And that we, first of all, we do not want to be isolated from the body. We want to be a part of the mainstream. And the second thing that I would say is I think there is a tendency among some, uh, even in the church, to say that older folks can no longer make a contribution because of uh, age, memory, uh, so on. It's just not possible anymore. And I want to suggest to you, and I hope I'll convince you that that's not the case. Uh, so the first thing I'd like to do is talk about my objective. I really only have one, and that's to highlight what I think is the biblical view of seniors. Uh, I want to give some description, and I want to talk about the roles that might be possible for us and talk about what the Bible has to say on the subject. Now, as I say, I think this is in large measure contrary to what our society thinks about seniors, uh, but I do want to cite some scripture, and I'll begin by this one in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs sixteen thirty one: the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. What this is saying, I think, is that growing old as a righteous person is a glorious thing because it brings glory to God. Older Christians should be regarded with respect for their righteous living and for their example. Seniors in, in serving in righteous, with righteous lives, however, doesn't begin and end with age 65. There is a tendency on the part of some, I think, to think, well, I've reached age 65, so I can sit down now and let these other young folks in the church do the, do the real hard work. Uh, that's, that's the wrong idea. But also, I think even some of our younger folks perhaps may be uh, caught by the impression that they're too young to make a contribution. And I think that, of course, is wrong. Neither of those views should be, should be what holds in the church. Uh, it is important to remember, however, that God did not select youngers, if there is such a word, but he chose elders to be the leaders of the church because of their wisdom and their experience. So aged men uh, are wise, I think, and I, 
believe there's a variety of reasons that's true, but experience and long lives is certainly a part of it. Second scripture I'd like to call your attention to uh, is in Leviticus, or I'm sorry, Job chapter 12, uh, verse 12. Uh, And that's the one I just read. Wisdom is with aged men and with the length of days understanding. Uh, young folks, just, just a word for you, if, uh, if I may. Please don't fail to recognize the value and the uh, wisdom that you find in those of uh, older years. Utilize that wisdom, but at the same time, a bit of advice for some seniors as well. Don't think you have all the answers. Uh, just because you got a few miles... Uh, you don't have all the answers. I know I don't. Uh, secondly, don't become unapproachable and cranky as you get older. Uh, but rather, be approachable. Be willing to share uh, your wisdom and experience. And finally, from the biblical point of view, we are all called on to share our wisdom in the body. We're all a part of one body, and we're to work together. But if older people and their wisdom is not utilized, how is the church going to survive? How are all the past mistakes that have been made going to be rectified if the wisdom to how to handle those can never be passed along or is never passed along? So that in itself, I think, is is one of the benefits of utilizing the wisdom of older people. Leviticus 19.32 You shall rise before the gray head and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God, I am the Lord. This, of course, is from Moses' law, but of course it's really God's law. And it calls for honor and respect of seniors. Uh, And I think it, it helps to clarify the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and mother. And it basically says, honor everybody's father and mother. Honor people who are older, people who are seniors. But I think in reading this, a couple of questions came to my mind. Why in the world was a command like this even necessary? Uh, Well, this is my speculation. I think perhaps one of the reasons is that older people are more vulnerable. Uh, Remember and think about many things that we find in the Bible. God addresses the needs of those who are vulnerable. The poor, the sick, the slaves, the disenfranchised, uh, and those who are aged. So God is concerned, and I think we should be too. Well, why should we obey this command? That's another question. And I think the reason is found in the verse itself. Rise before the gray head and honor the presence of of an old man in fear or reverence or respect your God. So doing so shows respect and reverence for God to honor those who are seniors. Another scripture is found in Psalm 92, a little bit longer passage. And I want to call your attention. I see that my highlighting in red doesn't stand out very well, but I will direct your attention as I read through these to those words that I have underlined or highlighted rather. 
The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I want to call your attention to three points in this passage. It talks about a process of being planted, flourishing, and bearing fruit. Notice the progression there. That is God's process for maturing those of us who are part of his kingdom. But the first point I think that's worth noting there is that fruitful young people become fruitful old people. Uh, again, that process of beginning of being planted and flourishing and finally bearing fruit. doesn't say young people can't bear fruit because I know a lot of these young people are already bearing fruit in this, uh, in this congregation. Parents, let me suggest to you, and of course this really applies to adults of all ages, feed on the water uh, and the word and the bread of life. And it will assure that you stay fresh, that you flourish, uh, and that you bear fruit even in your old age. A second point that's made here, I think, is that God expects his older saints to be fruitful. Uh, as I indicated earlier, there is no spiritual retirement in the church. God didn't arrange for Social Security for us at age 65 or anything of that sort. Uh, I've known some in the church who said, well, I've done my part. I'm sitting down and let others do it. I'll just sit back and relax. Uh, seniors, for those of us who are seniors, what we can do perhaps changes with age, but that doesn't mean that we should not do everything that we can for God's kingdom. So whatever strength, wisdom that God has given us, we need to use it. We need to use it for the benefit in sharing with young and old and, of course, helping the kingdom to grow. I think there is a great need for fruitful, godly seniors and of all ages in the church, in this church and all congregations. But remember that great example of really seniors we find in the Bible, men like Abraham and Moses, and Daniel. Remember when their careers really started? It was probably in their 80s when they had their greatest impact on the Lord's work. Uh, and I'm, I'm there with them, so I don't know. I'm hopeful to have a small part. The third thing I think worth noting here is that God's older saints declare him. Notice what it says in verse 15 of Psalm 92, to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. One of the very best tools that we who are older have is our tongue, the ability we have to use our mouths. We can tell about our experiences. We can tell about the mistakes we've made and the things we've learned uh, that can benefit others. Uh, there's a lot of practical wisdom that rests in the heads of older people here. They have wisdom about child rearing, about marriage, 
uh, about overcoming sin, about going about doing God's work and uh, helping solve problems among God's people because they've seen many of these things and can be helpful. And of course, we know that this kind of wisdom is not learned in colleges and universities. God uses the process of planting, flourishing, and ultimately bearing fruit for all of us. That's the way we become fruitful, young or old. Now I want to give an example of uh, a biblical example of one that I think illustrates some of the points I'm trying to make. We all remember Joshua and Caleb and the story about the 12 spies that were sent out and how only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, really gave a faithful report. The others, and I call them unfaithful spies, uh, had, had this to say when they looked over the land of Canaan and brought a report back to Moses. Uh, they said, there, in Numbers 13.33, there we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sights. And I want you to remember that name, Anak, because we'll come back to that again. But Joshua and Caleb had a very opposite report. They said, if the Lord delights in us in Numbers 14.8, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. So unfortunately, as we know, those spies listened, or those people rather, listened to the 10 unfaithful spies and rebelled against God. Later in speaking about this, Moses said in Numbers 32, so the Lord's anger was aroused on that day in verse 10. And then moving on down to verse 11, surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because, and I want you to remember this phrase, please, because they have not wholly followed me except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of man. So remember that expression, they wholly followed the Lord. Well, <clears throat> I want to ask, stop and ask myself, I guess, a question. What do we collectively know about Jacob? Well, it says that these 12 spies, when they were appointed, were leaders in the, in the uh, nation of Israel. So Caleb was a leader, first of all, 40 years old, already a leader among his people. He was brought up in Egypt as a slave, and since he lived a faithful life all his life, we have to conclude that he had godly parents who brought him up properly. Uh, it said of Caleb, God said this about him in Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where we went and his descendants shall inherit it. So Caleb had a spirit of faithfulness, a spirit of obedience uh, that God recognized. And then the other thing we know about Caleb, he saw these giants in the land and despite that, he wasn't afraid. He said, God will give us the victory. He had every confidence in himself, sure, 
but most especially in the Lord himself. Then uh, we know about Caleb in this story, but several years ago I was reading uh, another Bible story about Caleb that had escaped my attention for, I guess, most of my life. It was there, I'd read it before, but uh, somehow uh, it caught my attention, maybe because I was getting a little older, and this is when Caleb is getting a little older. Uh, This goes to Joshua 14. Call, Call this Caleb the giant killer. The context here is when the uh, Israelites are dividing up the land, Joshua is going to portion it out, apportion it out among the various tribes, and each tribe, each clan is to get a certain portion of land. So in Joshua 14, follow with me if you would, Joshua 14 beginning at verse 6. Caleb was 40 years old as a spy, now this is 45 years later, he's 85 now. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here am I this day, 85 years old. Now what he says next, uh, I wish that someone, that I could say this. Notice in verse 11 of Joshua 14, and yet... I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain. He was talking about his portion of the land. It happened to be a mountain. He said, give it to me, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, the sons of Anak, the giant, were there. And they were still there in that same city, in the same, on that same mountain. And the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And sure enough, later in the book of Joshua, we read that indeed he did drive them out. But notice that he says... Uh, it may be that the Lord will be with me. And some translations say perhaps. Joshua, or Caleb rather, is not expressing doubt. He's saying it will be that the Lord will be with me. Then verse 13, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jehunneh, as an inheritance. 
Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I think I was probably somewhere in my late 60s when this story caught my attention and this idea of the notion that he still had his full strength at 85 was uh, appealing, but I couldn't say that at the time. But I did think, wow, uh, here's this senior who's making this statement about himself. I wasn't looking at the time. I was retired. I wasn't looking to uh, fight any giants. But I was looking for some challenge in my life. So Caleb, when it came to his turn to ask for land, he did it in a very colorful way. He said, give me this mountain. Uh, And he was ready to go and fight for it. Now, I think there are some things about the story of Caleb that are worth thinking about in terms of the obstacles uh, that he had to face. Uh, There were obstacles ahead. The first thing that uh, Caleb had to face were the giants. Uh, These men were successors to the ones that Caleb had seen 45 years earlier as a spy, descendants of Anak. They're called the Anakim in verse 12 of Joshua 14. And they very likely were the predecessors of Goliath, whom uh, some people speculate speculate was somewhere over nine feet tall. So uh, a giant among giants. Uh, And I think when we think about Caleb's obstacles, I think all of us can perhaps ponder some giant or some great obstacle that we've faced in our own lives. But remember, because God was with him, Caleb had no fear. He said, bring them on, basically. The second obstacle that Caleb had to face, I think, was his age. Uh, Maybe I'm, because I'm feeling my age a little bit, maybe that's what I think. But notice he didn't consider it of of any consequence. And young folks, he didn't, he wasn't thinking, I don't think so much about age. Age is what you are today, but you can be of consequence just like Caleb, young or old. Uh, And again, I say, don't think you're too old to function in this church. Uh, There is no retirement plan. Uh, And uh, for young folks, uh, there is many, many opportunities ahead of you to look forward to. Uh, Caleb didn't let age stand in his way, and we should not either. Uh, the third thing, that uh, obstacle that he faced, was the mountainous terrain in which he had to fight. And I need to give you a little bit of background. Hebron was the primary city uh, in the territory that was to be granted to Caleb. And it was on a mountain uh, about 3,000 feet above sea level. Now, when Joshua allocated the land, they were at Gilgal, which is right adjacent to Jericho, which is 800 feet below sea level. So we're talking about a rise in elevation that's equal to four times that of Mount Sinai. 
So imagine climbing Mount Sino four times uh, and you've got a sort of a sense of the difference in elevation. Besides that, he and his fighters had to travel 40 miles and climb and go up and down other mountains along the way. So he had, I would say, some obstacles. But just like Caleb didn't let the terrain get in his way, we shouldn't allow uh, the terrain of life to uh, slow us down or feel like it's not worth going on. Uh, I think we need to remember that Jesus has promised us many gifts to those, to every person in his body. And we're all familiar with Ephesians 6 where he talks about the armor of God that we should all uh, take on uh, in our fight against evil. Then the fourth obstacle that he faced uh, was uh, the uh, city itself. Hebron was the chief city of the, of the district, and it was walled and fortified. And archaeologists have uncovered the uh, Hebron of that, of that time frame. And what they found is they found a wall that was about 12 feet thick and had to have been somewhere on the order of 20 to 30 feet high. So another obstacle that uh, he had to face. But he didn't let it deter him. And in fact, we know from later in the book of Joshua that he was able to, uh, to overcome. And it says in verse 14 of uh, chapter 14 of Joshua, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Now, that expression, he wholly followed the Lord God, is said of Caleb some six times uh, in, in Scripture. Uh, I would love to hear that said about me just one time, uh, but it was said of Caleb, as I say, six times. So he was a senior that I think all of us can emulate. His example of taking on mountains and walls uh, is a great example of faith and commitment for all of us. I think he's the kind of senior that we all could value and model our lives after, old or young. And I suggest to you that we have some Caleb's here at West Huntsville. Uh, we have some who've taken on some physical mountains and giants, and they've overcome obstacles. And I want to talk about those just in just a moment, some of those, as, as by way of example and illustration. But let me say that those of us who are older uh, should not, uh, we should look, rather, for ways to share our wisdom not because we deserve it, uh, not to earn some kind of credit, uh, because it gives glory to God who gave us our wisdom in the first place. He planted us, he caused us to flourish, he made us fruit-bearing. So, younger folks, 
And that means anybody that's younger than I am, and I'll confess to you that I'm now 82, not quite as old as Caleb, but getting there. But uh, older folks represent a lot of wisdom. They've climbed some mountains, they've broken some walls down, and they've overcome some obstacles. Maybe even a giant that was slain every now and then. Now, I would like to, uh, if you will allow me, to offer some recommendations. Uh, You don't know me all that well, perhaps, but maybe I'll suggest to you that I've been a Christian almost 70 years now, and maybe maybe have learned a thing or two. But first of all, let me say to our younger people, to the youth and to the teens, these three things. First of all, young folks, learn from previous generations. Uh, Your parents, of course, first, your grandparents, family, friends, teachers, but older members, seniors here at West Huntsville as well. God placed you in a birth family, all of us, but he also placed you in this spiritual family, and he did it with a purpose in mind to bring you to maturity, to nurture your faith, so that you fulfill a role for him uh, in his kingdom. From Ephesians chapter 4, and we don't have the time to look at that, we know that God has given many gifts to his church. He's given us all the teachers, all the preachers, all the mentors that we need and require to mature our faith. Secondly, don't let kingdom opportunities pass you by. God gives us each a choice about how we use the opportunities that we get. Uh, In Hebrews 12 and verse 9, we are told that God is the father of spirits. God made you in his spiritual image, all of us. He didn't waste any new soul on someone that has no significance or no importance. But God is also the trainer of spirits as well. And he's provided us for us all the faith, the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace that we require. So choose wisely among the opportunities that you're given. And then thirdly, bear fruit now. You are not too young. Uh, remember what Jesus said in the parable of the, uh, of the good soil or the parable of the sower. First of all, he said, those who have heard the word have a noble and good heart. Then he said we should keep it. And third, bear fruit with patience. So a number of you, young people, I've observed it, have already matured to the point where you're bearing fruit, and I commend you for that. I think that this congregation fares well because of that. You're to be congratulated. But also for the next generation up, to young professionals and young marrieds, I have some thoughts I'd share with you. First of all, and I hope you can read this, it is maybe a bit faint, but support and encourage your Christian friends. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 11 says we're supposed to build up and encourage one another. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born in adversity. Support and encourage one another. Secondly, Uh, And this is, if you're married, rejoice with the husband or the wife of your youth. 
Proverbs 5.18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. The effects of this covenant that you have made with your mate are meant to extend into eternity. So be aware of that and rejoice and support your wife and your husband. Thirdly, find Christian mentors and examples to follow. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Next, look for kingdom opportunities. Uh, Galatians 6 and verse 10 speaks of of uh, doing good to all of those, especially those of the household of faith. There are opportunities all around us. And finally, for you, be salt and light. And we know the uh, metaphors that are given for us by Jesus about being salt and light. But many of your peers... Uh, in this woke world that we live in today are all committed to philosophies of the world. Uh, We're called, as Christian young professionals, as Christian young marriage, to be different, to model our lives, your lives, after someone different. Then for parents, I have some thoughts as well. First of all, support and encourage one another. Uh, seek out fellowship among other Christian families. The New Testament has over 60 one another encouragement passages. Love one another, uh, build up one another, encourage one another, and on and on in that fashion. Uh, And along with that, learn these things and practice these things with your family. And find other Christian families that you can share your struggles with, that you can share both the good times and the hard times. And by the way, I'm not trying to say that we who are older have all the answers. But at the same time, I would recommend that you not fail to listen to the stories of some older people and pluck out those nuggets of wisdom that you find there. Second thing, parents, teach your children to serve. When you serve yourself, bring them along with you. And uh, not only show them, but stop along the way and explain to them why what you're doing at the time is really important. And then finally, for parents, be the kind of example in showing consideration for older family members, older Christians. Love and respect, or the lack thereof, will show them what you think of seniors, what you think of older people. And that will directly determine the attitude that they have about seniors. Teach your children, Leviticus 19.32. My voice is about to fade on me. me. Pardon me just a moment. God's law, before I go with this slide, God's law 
calls for respect and honoring of seniors. <clears throat> it's one of those, I think, universal principles, very much like honor father and mother. But I will say this, it's not so much that we older folks need your respect. What it is, is that your children, parents, cannot be decent human beings without a respect for older people. Then in your middle years, you may be in your middle years, your children are probably grown and they're well-established or you're well-established in your job and career. The first thing I would suggest is share your experiences with your children, of course, and with the body. This is the second time I've spoken today. This is exactly what I was afraid might happen. My voice might start to fade on me. But uh, you are part, you, in your middle years, older years, you're part of of a church family, a maturing family. You should be a blessing to all of us. The second thing I would suggest to you is be encouraged by your own Uh, life circumstances. You may feel that you've conquered the world, that you're on top of things. Uh, You're at the peak of your career, and maybe you're looking, well, at my career, and maybe it's downhill from now on. I'm getting close to retirement. But, and again, you you may not feel everything that you've achieved, everything that you wish that you could have achieved. But uh, be encouraged in your life circumstances, no matter where you are. Remember the advice that's given in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And finally, renew your enthusiasm to serve. Be mindful of what can happen and determined to be reinvigorated uh, in your life for Christ. Now I'm going to skip this one and go to what I think is a very important list. I'd like to just briefly cite some of the examples of seniors in this church and their example. Now I'm not going to name names, but I do, I may make one exception to that. But I hope these you will consider Uh, as examples and encouragement to you. For instance, we have two brothers in this congregation who served as missionaries in many parts of the world, and yet they still in their later years are continuing to teach and to preach. Then there is our wonderful sister, Carol Dodd, whose enthusiasm for the word and for life still shines as an example to everyone, but especially to younger women here. Then there's the sister who never passes up an opportunity to welcome and greet newcomers here, make them feel at home. Or there's that wonderful Christian couple who've never allowed their disability to slow them down and prevent them from being witnesses for the Lord. There's those two seniors ladies who visit shut-ins every week. Uh, Those seniors who continue to teach 
uh, our young children and young people, all the numerous widows that are here that share their resources, perhaps not always the most plentiful, but to take the gospel to places like India and other places and to share with others. Then there's that dear sister whose card ministry is a model for all of us. They're widows who look out for one another, they call one another, they encourage one another, and they just simply spend time together. Then I think about that senior couple who are no longer able to ascend services with us, but they still teach and preach the gospel via the internet. They teach English, they also teach the gospel. I think we have some great seniors here. I th- I am absolutely, I feel absolutely blessed to be a part of this congregation, to associate with some of the folks that I've talked about and for, with all of you. Uh, I appreciate the time and the patience. I think I may have exceeded my time just a little bit. Uh, I'll try to make it up a little bit later. Thank you for your attention. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.